Welcome to the latest edition of the Giants Hangout, our weekly roundtable discussion as we recap what transpired in the previous game, as well as look ahead, and we hone in on three different themes. The Giants dropped their third in a row, a rough outing in South Florida as they fell to the Dolphins 31-16. to We're going to focus on explosive plays, defensive takeaways, and the health of Daniel Jones. Lance Meadow, Russ Salzburg, Howard Cross with you. And this week, we bring in Brian O'Leary, co-host of the Irish NFL show. Brian, welcome aboard. Looking forward to the conversation. And I want to start with you with respect to explosive plays, because we knew coming in, the Dolphins showcased the number one offense in the NFL. And I'm talking about scoring offense, total yards, passing yards, rushing yards, the whole nine yards. And I think that was absolutely on full display yesterday because even though the Giants did have some takeaways, unfortunately, they gave up seven plays of 20 or more yards, three of 60-plus yards, whereas the Giants only had three plays of 20-plus yards theirself. And, Brian, to me, that disparity is a big reason why that game got away from the Giants. I, I agree, Lance. And unfortunately, what we've seen in the opening weeks of the season is kind of similar patterns with the defense in terms of the tackling. When they get off the block, the tackling isn't what we would expect to see compared to what we saw last year. And it was kind of, I was fearful of going into the game because you touched on it there. The Dolphins have been arguably the most explosive offense in the league. And, and in particular with Tyreek Hill in terms of the yards after catch, he's, he's been doing it on all teams, in fairness, not just the Giants yesterday. But when you've got a defense right now that doesn't, seem to be playing at the level and expectation which we had going into the season it was always going to be a huge concern. And did it come as a surprise me to see those those level of players? Probably not. The, the ones that disappointed me the most was more sort of running back ones because you've seen the nature of what this rookie has done over the course of the, the last few weeks. He's had two touchdowns last week. He had two touchdowns the previous week, all explosive type players. I would have thought we would have done as, as has some particular scheming in place to find a way to navigate against that. But unfortunately, it wasn't, wasn't to be yesterday yesterday afternoon and of course referring to Devon Achan who had that yeah. big 76 yard run and Howard as I mentioned when you have the explosive plays it alleviates essentially what you're putting on your defense's plate and your offense's plate because see the Giants with only three plays of 20 plus yards they had to go 10 play 13 play drives and Howard we've seen this each and every week something wrong likely to happen, negative plays, loss of yardage, sacks. And that's what happened with respect to the Giants in comparison to the Dolphins. Well, well, to be honest, Lance, I mean, that's that's great to try to put it on the Giants and say there was that, but it's Miami. Those guys are fast. Inside-out uh, pursuit is what, what really gets you when you play against a team that's that fast, the way they run their plays. They do a lot of outside screens and outside pitches where they throw the ball outside. They kind of – dance with the outside defenders a little bit and it is like the inside defender can't get there fast enough these guys are you know some of these guys got world-class speed almost and then it's it's really hard and unless you have everybody in front of them where they can't get going north and south you you can't win even if you try to stretch them out there were two or three plays where like okay they're going to stretch it out and they just outran the stretch and ran around the edge. So it's not going to just happen to the Giants. It's going to happen to a lot of a lot of people, especially when the Dolphins play at home. Uh, as far as the Giants' offense goes, you know, you guys can say whatever you want to about them. And I told you, all the shiny toys and all the bells and whistles are great. This time you had, I believe you had a practice squad player playing. You had a player that's played for like, you know, two or three games. Uh, you moved your guy in, in the center. It just it, and it's more and more bodies. The, the left tackle that, that's playing is a backup guard. 
they had a premier pass rusher. He did not leave his side. Okay, if that's where you're going to put him, that's where I'm going to stand. <laughs> so that's that's what you're going to look at until until you get to offensive line and some you know and some sorts healthy or unless somebody walks in here off the street that you know might can make a difference or a big change. It's going to be some rough sledding. Well, you know, Howard, I totally agree. I mean, that the Dolphins look like they have an Olympic relay squad. I mean, that's how fast they do. <laughs> that, that's, that, that, that's how fast they are. And, and I knew the Giants would be up against it. My concern in mm-hmm. the game, when you look at the game, the Giants had the ball 36 minutes. They had a 24 minutes. And everything was about the explosive plays. My concern on the Giants, and maybe I'm being overly critical, but I I think it's fair to ask, there needs to be, I know what they were up against, but there needs to be a sense of urgency for a moment. My my example was when the score was just 7-0, the Giants punt, they got them down at the six-yard line. Okay, so you got them at the six-yard line. Hey, guys. Let, let's let's make a stop here. Let's do something. Three play three plays later, it's fourteen nothing. Then after, a, if, after after hold on a second after the big uh, the Pinnock interception. Now it's a 14-10 game. Miami gets the ball with a buck thirty four left in it. Now the Giants know that they're going to get the ball to start the third quarter. Buck thirty four left. They go from their twenty eight to the twenty two field goal. That takes some momentum away. Then to start the third quarter, three plays in, 54 seconds in, it's another touchdown. I I just don't sense – I understand the Giants' defense was up against it, but I I don't sense – What would would you like them to do, Russ? I'm curious because you're you're saying they're up against it, but you're asking them to do something that outside of Buffalo, no one's even come close to slowing these guys down. And I mean no one, and it's going to get worse. When I'm telling you it's going to get worse, they got a couple other guys that got healthy that, that need to get back on the field. When they get a few more guys on the field, their tackle wasn't even playing in the game. When they get on everybody on the field, yeah. yeah, when they get everybody on the field, it is a track meet. And if they find a way to get a home playoff game, they're going to blow whoever shows up in that stadium out. That is a fast, fast team. You can beat a lot of things. You can't beat speed. The only problem that Miami Dolphins have – I don't think their defense is super, right? You know, with the Not, Giants, yeah. with, with the Giants playing all the backups and all this stuff, the Giants move the ball, but they can't, you know, they can't put together a 15-play drive, and they needed to put together a 15-play drive. And that that's kind of hard to do. Like when you got good, you're good with a run, you're good with a run. Uh, your your backup to the backup false starts. That's just part of the game with the guys you got in in the game. I don't I don't know how to fix it or help them. The reason why they're backups, the reason why they're, you know, some of them are practice squad guys because they're not uh, usually, the, you know, maybe developmental maybe a good way to put it, but they're not starters. And sorry, can I just throw a question in there? Yeah, Bearing in mind what we've, what we've just discussed in terms of how explosive this Dolphins offense is, mm-hmm. why, why, why take field goals? In the harsh reality of the game, taking field goals is never going to get us back into the game. There was some, yeah. you know, farting shorts, like – are we not better off, you know, really going for it and trying to keep up as best we can rather than just taking field goals and leaving ourselves? You, you can take field goals and get points on the board, or you can go for it and miss, and they go down and score another touchdown. I know, but we're kind of in a situation where either way we're, we're, we're playing catch-up throughout the course of the game. Yeah, yeah but, you, but, you know, but, but, but if you look at it, you'll, you'll, you, could, you could be 
okay, we're going to try to keep it close, try to keep it close, try to keep our guys in it, keep our guys engaged, try to keep fighting, keep fighting, keep fighting, which they were trying to do. Or you can say, like, we're going to do anything we can. We don't care. We'll go for it. Touchdown, Miami. Okay, we're going to try anything we can. We'll go for it. Touchdown, Miami. And then people will start asking you after the game, but why don't you at least try to get some points on the board? And it, yeah, that's, when that's always a catch-22 situation. Yeah, when, you, when you're playing a team that's going to beat you like that, you got to, like, okay, minimize the blood the bloodshed if you can. They're, like, they're, if the Giants were at full strength, and I do mean every offensive line was healthy, they were, like, spinning the ball all over the field. They were not beating the Dolphins. I'm not saying I'm not suggesting we should be going for it in every fourth down. I'm just bearing in mind what we just discussed around the fact in, in this particular instance against a team so explosive. The harsh reality is, yeah, you want to maintain a game where you're not getting totally blown out, but at the same time, sometimes you just have to go above and beyond and go for fourth downs to try to keep up as best you can. Well, the way I the way I would coach it if I was coaching, I would try to make it as muddy as possible. I try to yeah. get my running game going the best way I could and try to keep it in, you know, second and second and six, the second and fourth, a third and two, and try to keep it and try to keep them off the field. Because if you put the ball in the air and keep trying to go for it at, you know, what what the guys that could I'm watching guys, they had the plays diagnosed defensively over and over again. They couldn't get the the the, the inside defensive end or not defensive end, the defensive tackle sprinting as hard as he could to get to the outside to get to the guy. He didn't get there in time. Track me. And it was over and over and over again. And it's, it's, I'm just like, I'm just watching them. Like, I'm like, I was like very happy that they kept it as close as they did in the first half. I'm like, that's impressive. What, what the defense they were up against. I'm like, at any moment it could be, it's just, I've, you know, I've, I've played ball in Alabama. I, my, my team is Alabama. We've won a lot of national championships of late and we've had teams to just outclass other teams over and over and over again. And that's what it looked like. It looked like, in Alabama playing against, you know, Vanderbilt at, 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 at a little point. And then it's no against no offense to our guys or anything, but when you're outclassed with that much speed, it's hard to it's hard to play against them. And offensively, the only thing you can do is try to keep the other team off the field, like the Giants used to do when they used to play the Patriots, when it was Brady and those guys, and they were throwing the ball all over the field. You just try to run it and run it and run it. And it's hard to run it when your offensive line is minus guys and your best best back is over on the sideline. Well, because they lost the battle in the trenches. That's what it really came down to, Howard, again. You're looking at a Dolphins team, and I would agree with you. Their defense was not a juggernaut coming into this game. They've given up points to just about everybody, but they Mm -hmm. had seven sacks. They had 14 quarterback hits. So, -hmm. therefore, the Giants are not built, to your point, to come from behind and air it out, which is, Brian, you're saying if you're going to go up against the Dolphins, you have to be able to score at a high rate. I think that goes without saying. I think the problem is that you had – the lack of explosive plays to yeah. try to catch the defense off guard. Because Pete, here's what I would argue, guys. Daniel Jones, if you noticed in that game, he took a shot down the field to Darren Waller, if you recall. Xavier Howard made a really nice play. Yes. He took a shot down the field right yeah. to Darius Slayton. Unfortunately, he led Darius out of play. There was an opportunity, if you recall, when Wandell Robinson was out in the flat and Daniel didn't lead him out towards the flat. He yeah. threw it short, so Wandell had to slide. I would argue, despite playing the trenches, there were actually some opportunities against the Dolphins' defense to strike and get some of those big plays. Unfortunately, the far and few never came to fruition. You know, you know, we've been also talking a lot, uh, Lance, Brian, and and when Howard gets back, uh, we've been talking a lot about the speed uh, of the Dolphins, and th- there's no hiding that. 
But what what got to me was they were super fast right out of the starting gate. I, I mean, it seemed as though it's one thing about catching a pass and then just, you know, breaking the tackle and going. But it seemed like their runners or receivers were, were running through wide open spaces. There was nobody near them. And then again, poor tackling reared its ugly head once again. And now I, I think poor tackling happens to be a problem throughout the National Football League. But we're not talking about the NFL. We're talking about the Giants. And tackling has been poor all season long. I mean, it, Dable said it during the game yesterday, when, you know, on a sideline reporter asked for an update. Yeah, we need to tackle better. Hello. You know, what else is new? I mean, you know, I understand how tough uh, it is to defend against those guys. But again, this is the NFL. And, and it just seemed that they were running through wide open spaces. And you can't give a team like that right out of the gate to be busting loose. I think, uh, sorry, Lance, I think that's the frustration for all Giants fans and obviously people who uh, write, and write for the team is the fact that we're continuously talking about poor tackling no matter who we're playing. We saw that Monday night where Drew Locke comes into the game and there's, a, there's that particular play right. before half time. Like, no fans, yep. Yeah, no fans, the tight end, correct, yeah, which was initially was a touchdown and then taken back. But it's just the point, that we, it's the same common team that every Giants fan is discussing week in, week out is the poor tackling throughout the course we saw it in Arizona and we've seen it yesterday and as you said at the start of the of the broadcast Lance you could argue this team are the best in the league offensively but like it was a, it was as as Ross said it was the immediate opening drive and how easy easy it was I would have thought they would have gradually got into the game Miami and did those type of things that has not come out immediately and hit us straight away and then we're obviously we're, we're always on the off you know we're always playing catch up there after well, because here's the thing with respect to the explosive plays that we're talking about, guys. It's one thing you go up against a team that's throwing bombs down the field. For example, the Tyree Kill touchdown. That was a deep throw by Tua. If you noticed, all six other plays for 20 or more yards were short passes or yes. runs. So, Russ, yeah. to your point, you're talking about if they get to the second level, you need to make sure that you put an end to a seven or eight yard gain as opposed to making it balloon into 25 to 30 yards. And that's what was happening time and time again. And we know the Dolphins have done this, yes, to every opponent, which is what Howard was talking about, but that doesn't mean that teams have not been in position to do some damage control. And unfortunately, the Giants could do no damage control because of players being out of position. For example, McKinney came up, and then all of a sudden, they went past him on one play, or when all of a sudden... Devon Achan is getting the edge. You know, he has yeah. a clear path down the sideline. So those little things really added up. And that was the absolute backbreaker for the Giants defense yesterday. Well, th that's why I brought it up when I was talking earlier. It was a 7 nothing game. You, you punt the ball. You got them at the six-yard line. The first play was two or threw it into the turf to get away. The next one was 18 yards to Hill. And then on a running play, uh, uh, Shane's gone for 76 yards, but it looked like he was like, had a wide open field, looked like he was he running at a pasture by himself. And that's something that I don't care how fast you are. It was like, I don't get it. I, I'm I'm quite frankly, really surprised. I, 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 when I say they were up against it, yeah, they were playing against a very good explosive team. But I, I for I'll be frank. I just thought the Giants' defense would be better than what I'm seeing this season. 
Lance, I just want to, and Russ called it out earlier on, I think the most disappointing one actually was the one at the start of the second half because they had to claw their way sure. back into the game. A little bit of momentum. I know they took the field goal before halftime, but anybody, any Giants fan who was told Sunday morning, you go in a touchdown down at halftime in Miami, I think most fans would have accepted that. But it's the nature of how they came out straight away and they give up that big play and the big touchdown. I know there's a conversation today that Dory Jackson was off the field because of a helmet, yep. you know, misfunction at the time. Okay, that's fine. Other players have to come in. And are you coming in on the Sunday nature of what's what's coming at them? Because you go single coverage against Tyreek Hill. You know the you know the ultimate what's gonna come what's gonna come from it is a, a long ball down the field and ultimately a touchdown. And also listen, players come and go throughout a game. So I don't think anybody's gonna hang on that as an excuse. Yes, you would have liked the Dory on the field, sure, matching up with Tyreek Hill, but Tyreek Hill is fast enough to your point where you put single coverage on him, he'll blow by just about anybody, whether it's a veteran or a young player. And unfortunately, the timing of that didn't go in favor of the Giants. And, you know, the other thing that we did see, which I think the defense deserves credit for here, is they did get the takeaways, which was non-existent in the first right. four games. But what I would argue is the problem was there wasn't enough complimentary football on full display against Miami. They did score 10 points off of the three takeaways. One was a touchdown. Another one led to a field goal. The fumble, they got no points. But think about this. Off one of the interceptions, they took over at the Miami 23. Okay? I mean, that is luxury territory, right? Guys, they got four yards on that drive. They moved to the Miami 19 and had to settle for a field goal. So there wasn't enough capitalization off of the takeaways. And the lack of complimentary football, I think, was also why they got bit. Because, Russ, you brought up a great point about time of possession. I've talked to a lot of coaches. They would argue when you have time of possession, the ideal total is you want your points to match every minute that you have the ball. So you brought up the fact that 36 minutes. 36 minutes. Okay. And how many points did the offense produce? Nine. Okay. I'm taking away the touchdown from the defense. Right. Yeah. 36, 36 minutes of time of possession and only nine points. You just, there's no way you're going to be able to compete under those circumstances. You, you know, Howard brought up a very, very good point. And, and let's be fair. Uh, there's no shiny toys. Okay. You know, uh, the offensive line, you got, Backups to backups. I, I, Howard mentioned there was one uh, practice squad player. I think there were two. I think there was Thomas and Mayfield, right. uh, you know, at, at varying, various points. It just, um, but when you talk about lack of complimentary football yesterday, that's been the broken record all season long. There had everybody, we talk, we hear Dable talk about it. We hear Wink Martindale talk about it. We hear Kafka talk about it, complimentary football. There mm -hmm. hasn't been any complimentary football all season long, except for maybe one half against the Arizona Cardinals. Yeah, but guys, I'm not beating on you guys. I'm sorry for my technology over here. It keeps failing me. But uh, you're not going to have complimentary football unless you find a way for to get the offensive line healthy. And I keep saying right. that. I'm going to say it week in, a week out. It's just not going to work. I mean, they can, you know, they have great little uh, talking points and great coach speak and everything just not going to work. It's just, it's never going to work where you don't have your, your players in place. And I, I don't know, I, I want to have something hopeful to say or have something, you know, positive to say it's, it, it could get dangerous for a quarterback. And, and, and you, and we've seen that. Yes. <laughs> Big time dangerous. 
Well, but Howard, as I mentioned, as you were walking through the technology and trying to get the walkie-talkies back online so you could communicate with the rest of us, and I'm glad that you're back on board. In fairness, though, and I'm with you, the play in the trenches has to improve, but there were some field positioning opportunities. For example, off a turnover, you get the ball at the Miami 23. You only gain four yards. We saw Daniel Jones, Howard, take some chances down the field, despite some of the rough play in the trenches. Unfortunately, they just weren't able to take advantage of those deep throws, whether it be Darren Waller and whether it be Darius Slayton. So, I mean, they're trying. They're trying to get guys down the field. Unfortunately, mm -hmm. the level of execution is not where it needs to be. Well, you know, the, the, you know, I heard a lot of, there was a lot on the radio broadcast about making plays above the X's and O's. And I came out at halftime. I said, it's not plays above the X's and O's. It's just the X's and O's. If you could just do what they're asking you to do, and at any given moment, it's okay. You know, Darren Waller, you know, great, phenomenal, talented kid. When the ball hits you in the hands, you got to catch it. You don't have room for error. When the ball hits you in the hands, you have to catch it. When Slayton, you know, is he's thrown out of bounds. He's doing everything he can to keep his feet in bounds. Uh, that was just, a, you know, a throw. Daniel gets starts to get hit. He starts to get faster and faster. He gets hit more and more. He's trying, and you know, everybody's saying the same thing. Gotta get the ball out of your hands faster. Get the ball out of your hands faster. So it's not always get the ball out of your hands faster. It's just kind of like, okay, when I get my opportunities, I gotta make it work. And when it when I do hit you, please catch the ball. That's that's what he's looking at. So offensively, it's 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 not it's not gonna be complimentary football until they can figure out a way how to get something going positive on, on a, a week in a week out. And I'm not an apologist. They look bad offensively, and, they, and they're going to continue to look bad until someone can block someone consistently. And yeah, early you know, in Howard, game, Howard early, you bring up a good point as, as far as, um, you know, missing opportunities. They're not good enough to get all a lot of these good plays. So when they have the good play, as you say, you know, when Darren Waller can get his hands on a ball, like I looked at that play a good few times and saying, you got to make that play because we're not mm -hmm. good enough to give up that play. And, yeah. and that's and not Howard just made a good play. I was talking about Xavier Howard, not Howard Cross, of course. You got to give him credit. He did get his hand in. Yes, he did. Certainly still an opportunity yeah, for Waller to make the play. Yeah. Yes. But these are the type I, I, of players, these are the type of players that Waller essentially was, the tr was traded for. That's mm -hmm. like this is we saw what he did with the Raiders. Yeah. These are the type of players where the ball goes up. How many times have we watched previous coverage when he when the signing took place in you know during free agency, obviously the trade that people are saying this is gonna be a red zone target for, for, for Daniel Jones. He'll be able to put the ball in position in the end zone and Darren Waller will come in and take it in. So he needs to as Howard and, and Russell said, he needs to take it in. He needs to do what he needs to do to make sure he catches that ball. And Darren Waller did have his most productive game so far in a Giants uniform. So I think that was encouraging. They were at least able to get him the targets and he did move the chains. But, you know, Howard, I want to go back to a point you brought up earlier because you were talking about trying to make the game muddy. And I would say, I think the Giants at some points tried to make the game yes, muddy. Yes, they did. Because, right? When you look at the numbers, Russ, they had 17 third downs, okay? That is an enormous volume of third downs and a majority of them were for seven yards or less, 11 to be exact. So... It wasn't as if they were facing, despite the play in the trenches, we didn't see third and 15s and third and 25s where they were really handicapping themselves. But the level of execution, even on some of those manageable downs, Howard, when they had the ability to even run the football, was nowhere to be found because the Dolphins' defensive front, forget about getting to Daniel Jones, they also completely took away the Giants' run game yesterday. 
they did more than take away the Giants' run game. Like I said, when you look at the interior of the line, they sometimes there were a lot of no hitters, um, guys right in front of you swimming right over, right in the backfield. The ball, the back, the back's getting the ball. He's getting hit as he's taking the ball. Uh, the Giants ran a screen late in the, you know, an, an underneath play late in the game to Robinson. He's running out. He's going to be wide open. They run through him, tackle him to the ground, or basically clothesline him to the ground, and go and sack Daniel. Like that, I mean, and Daniel throws the ball on the ground right at his feet because he has nowhere to go with it. The, the play is a perfect design. The Dolphins just ran through and threw the guy on the ground. I don't know if that's legal or not, but <laughs> they did. <laughs> uh, so it, 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 you know, when things when things like that are happening, you you, you just gotta hope that one guy can you know can hold it. There there were plays in the game where. I was listening to people. Oh, Daniel has plenty of time. He's throwing the ball down the field. No, there were guys loose. The backs were just picking them up. And so I was listening to, 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 you know, unfortunately, somebody was like, oh, man, they were really picking up the blitz. I'm like, uh, 92 is not a blitzer. He's a down lineman, and he's free. That's what, you, that's what you're dealing with. And you can't – it can't be a play where – like, this is how bad the, the offensive line played, and this is not a knock on anybody. When the offensive line plays this bad, Evan Neal name was called one time for for missing a block, once. That's how bad everybody else was playing. That they weren't even focused on trying to go after Neal. They were just going after everybody else. It also didn't help that the offensive line was responsible for all six penalties, Brian, especially a number of false starts and holds, and you know that did put them sometimes in a precarious spot. I don't think it was as detrimental as we've seen some penalties in previous games, but. I think we're at the point, and this is what I think Howard was alluding to, where every week we talk about the opposition the Giants are going up against and some fans and some pundits say, okay, well, this is not the Cowboys' defense. This is not the Niners' defense. But at this point, all defenses are copying what the previous opponent is doing, and they're finding ways to attack this Giants' offensive line. So I know Buffalo coming up is a really good defensive front, but whether they're playing the creme de la creme of the NFL or the bottom feeders, I don't think anybody – is in a position to give this Giants offensive front the benefit of the doubt at this point. Yeah, you know, listen, there was one series, Azuto was called on back-to-back false start, plus a holding. Yep. I mean, I mean that's, that sure. was all on one series. Uh, look, as Howard says, I'm not looking to beat anybody up. They are what they are. I mean, mm-hmm. there's, there's a reason that they're backups or practice squad players. But um, the drop-off is just enormous. I mean, we, we thought... The offensive line was going to be much better this season. And now a lot of it has to do with the injuries. We get it. But at this point in time, uh, at one and four, we're facing a real uphill battle. Yeah, I, I, no, and no offense to, anyone, I, to the guys. I didn't think they were going to be that much better. I thought that the offensive line that were the starters could hold their own a little bit. Yes. I didn't think that anything past that was going to be – and remember – what was the game plan going into the season? We're going to rotate the interior guys. We find guys that can actually play together that we think is the best combination. They're saying that going into game one. Lance, it doesn't come, sorry, I was just going to say, it doesn't come as a surprise when there's, there's six penalties on the offensive line. Like the guys, have, the guys have nailed it here today. There's no cohesion on the offensive line right now. You've got different players coming in. Some may not even know it should have fully in terms of how they go about playing, playing their game. It doesn't come as a surprise you're going to have Time and time, false starts are obviously holes and, and, and what comes with that in terms of negative yards going back to the other way. 
And, and look, and you look at it like you look at Dallas. You watch what happened with them with, against San Francisco. They ran the ball. Everybody was blocked them. They went after Michael Parsons running the ball. They were aggressive. Look at what happened to Miami a week ago. Teams were like going at them offensively, running the ball, trying to grind them out. You got to be able to hold up up front, at least running the ball and being consistent. The third downs, if you if you can't get it with a third and two every time, it's going to be a battle for these guys. Well, uh, since we're talking about the offensive line, you know, I think, Lance, we ought to address what happened to their quarterback because their quarterback in two weeks has been sacked, had been sacked 16 times, but the last one was the most crucial one. And I got to tell you, I hope, I don't know, there's no inside information coming to me. I don't know what the, the most recent reports are, but when he went down, it didn't look like anything serious, but when he got up, he got up and walked directly off the field. And as he was walking with Ronnie Barnes and one of the orthopedists, uh, you know, off the field, I just sensed something was wrong. And then when he addressed the media after the game, uh, I mean, guys, I've listened to him talk day in and day out for as long as he's been a giant. That was the first time, the first time I've ever felt Daniel Jones looked nervous and fearful about what might be. Now, understandably so, because it's a neck injury, and he had a neck injury, you know, two years ago that forced him to miss the last six games of the season, and he had to have a procedure done. So it's it's to me, listen, I don't want to be an alarmist, and I hope to God he's okay, but that that's pretty scary to me, especially with the neck, and he's had it before. I just I'm not even talking about the Giants future. I'm talking about the kid's career uh, and, and his life moving forward. Well, he admitted that his neck was sore. So that was something that he brought to the forefront. And I'm with you, Russ. I mean, my takeaway was and I'm not accusing Daniel Jones of anything, but he did have ample opportunity to pretty much completely shut it down and say it's nothing. Don't worry about it. I'll get some treatment during the week and I'll be ready to go next week. And it seemed like he was a little bit hesitant in going that far. And I think part of it was he's probably waiting to get some tests back and results yes, is, to yeah. see how he operates. So I understand where he's coming from, but I did get the same sense that you did where there was a bit of hesitancy, a bit of unknown. And I think part of that was, you're right. He does have a history with dealing with the neck, but regardless of what happens with Daniel Jones moving forward, this is why they went out and they got Tyrod Taylor. And I'm not saying that Tyrod's going to start the remainder of the season, but if you recall two years ago, they were not in the position where they had a proven veteran, God forbid, who could lead this offense, and that's why they made sure they brought in somebody with the pedigree and the resume of a Tyrod Taylor. Hey, Lance, were you? I, I'm not knocking you guys. You guys were watching the game, right? Did you see how hard they hit Tyrod? Yes. Oh, oh yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I was just gonna, I was just going to jump in there because last year Tyrod got a concussion. I believe it was against the Bears in he the did. home game. Yep. And he had to step out again. That's when Daniel Jones was injured and he stepped in. And we ended up playing Wildcat with Saquon Barkley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That has nothing to do with who's back there. That's just the same. We're talking about an offensive yeah. line. Yeah, you're right. Tyrod Ty was getting crushed. I'm like, yeah. it's kind of like no joke meant here, but like, be careful what you wish for if you want to play because you could you could see what was happening yesterday. It was bad. I, I mean, this offensive line needs to be fixed in a hurry. It needs to be fixed yesterday. And I don't know if that's going to happen. We don't, we don't know if we're getting Andrew Thomas back. I mean, it's a mess right now. 
Yes, Guys, can we, if we jump back to week one towards the, the back end of the game, some of the questions that were asked of David after the game was why did you why did you keep Ryan or sorry, why did you keep Daniel Jones in the game when essentially the game is over? The Cowboys were, you know, 30 points clear at that stage. And he obviously wanted to give him more snaps of his start, opening game of the season. But right back then, four or five weeks ago, the fans were already saying, Why why is he in the in the game? The offensive line is getting crushed against the Cowboys. Nothing has changed. And if Tyron Taylor comes in next week with his concussion history. I'm already, I'm already a little bit concerned about that as well. But that's more so because of the nature of the offensive line as opposed to the quarterback. They're gonna have, well, every, they're gonna yeah, have go all ahead, hands, they have to have all hands on deck to, to in order to keep these QBs safe. Uh, Tyrod got in the game; uh, he was pressured right off the bat. Uh, guys were coming from everywhere. He was trying to run and get himself down. He couldn't even get down. They were getting to him so quickly. So, you know, it, it's not. Who you know, veterans coming in to be the backup. It's they, if there's a veteran offensive lineman out there, and I'm sure they're looking for guys constantly trying to check everybody's practice squad to see who's available. They're just trying. They're, they're doing. They're in a desperate search to find guys that can actually, you know, not necessarily be great, but be stand in enough to to help them out. And they're after Buffalo. Uh, it it may not be easier, but it won't be as rough going forward. Well, so Washington has four former first round picks, Howard, and Chase yeah. Young's playing pretty good this yeah. year. So, no, so I understand your point, but I would say I don't think there's any picnics on the horizon. And then you get the Jets, who have also a really good defense. Good defense, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's not. Yeah, you, 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 you got Max Crosby. You got Max Crosby coming the week after that. It doesn't get any easier from a defense. One hundred percent, Brian. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You yeah, know, there are no off easy. weeks, as you can attest to, in the yeah. NFL. You yeah. know, the, the the Giants didn't bring did bring in Justin Pugh, and I'm not sure what he's got left. Obviously, he wasn't going to play this week, but there might be a sense of urgency to, to get him ready to play because this can't go on. I, I mean, it just can't go on. Well, the problem has been that guys have been hurt. You know, when Brian brought up there's the lack of cohesion, yes, but I think part of that is one week they feel they're going to get a guy back, then he leaves during the game, and then they have to play the game of musical chairs all over again. I guess maybe the encouraging sign is John Michael Schmitz, as long as they don't put him on IR, you hope that he can get back sooner than the four games you'd have to miss at minimum. But the problem mm -hmm. is... Marcus McKeithen got hurt then in the last game, and he wasn't able to finish with the knee injury. So this is my point. You bring back one guy, and then all of a sudden another guy gets banged up. And Bredesen had to come out for a few plays. So it's very hard even when you start the game to say, we're going to get through with the same five guys. That's been a major problem for them thus far. No, does, does it not say a lot? Sorry, Russ. Does it not say a lot the fact that we're referring to a rookie center and the lofty expectations we have for him to come back and immediately play well? I mean, usually in your fourth season in the NFL, players are given a little bit of leeway and they gradually get up to speed in terms of being an NFL player. And nine times out of 10, we see the most productive play from that player in their second year. We're already have an expectation that John Michael will come back and immediately improve his team. And he's only in the league a couple of months. Yep. No, that's what that is, Brian, is just wishful and hopeful thinking because yeah. it's dire straits right now. It's just a very, very... Difficult situation. You know, you know, Howard used the term to start off with no shiny toys. It is what it is. I, I mean, not only are they not shiny toys, they're kind of like beat up toys with dents in them. You know, it's the just all got to them, essentially, Russ. That's what you're saying. The dog got to the toys and chewed <laughs> on them a little bit. Yeah. No, you're right about that. Didn't Bill Parcells have a quote back in the day? You don't beat the dog anymore. The dog is dead. Is that, is that, is that where we're at? <laughs> 
right now that's where we are. But you know, they're, they're going to keep fighting. They're going to keep trying. But I just hope that we can keep the QBs at least you know under five sacks a game. That would be very helpful. I, I mean, <laughs> Howard, think about you know it's no joke. But think about what Howard just said. Let's keep the sacks to five a game. I, I mean, what are we talking about? This is not Sandlot football. This is the NFL. It's crazy. And, but, and you know, he was going, to, uh, saying he, Tyrod was going to have to miss a play, but um, Dable explained it in postgame, but because there was some kind of confusion, not, something going on, on the field. He, he had a timeout. Yeah, play. timeout on the field, Russ. It was a yeah. timeout. Otherwise, he was going to have to miss a play. Well, he got the wind knocked out of him because yes. if you saw, he fell on top of the football. Yes. So that's why he needed a breather. And he told Dable, listen, just give me a minute. I'll be ready to go. The timeout cooperated. They yeah. were able to get him back out on the field. But Howard, you brought up the sack number. I would say what's even more concerning is the quarterback hits too. You know, the plays that don't finish with a sack out. I mean, the Dolphins had 14 quarterback hits. So not only did they bring the quarterbacks down seven times, they doubled that in terms of at least getting in the vicinity of the quarterback and disrupting the throw or at least making their presence felt. No, that, that's not disrupting the throw. A hit is actually a hit, knocking the quarterback to the ground. So that that's just, again, got they got to figure out a way to slow that down. I mean, Waller's going to have to start chipping before he goes out, like like he was saying that I, I can't get out because I'm chipping. You're going to need every hand on deck. And that's if you can stop the interior guys and, and figure out a way how to slow those guys down. It's, it's going to be a lot of one-man routes and – you know, throwing in a double coverage. And hopefully if you can't get it, somebody's going to have to run. So I, I'm not sure. Hey, if you're a big blue quarterback, you're a black and blue quarterback. That, I mean, that, that's what's going on. They're just taking an awful beating. I mean, you know, it it, it was, of course, it's we're talking about Daniel, but, you you know, Howard brought up a good point. Did you see the way Tyrell was getting hit? And I said to myself, man, he's getting smacked around. It, mm -hmm. it, it's rough. It's really rough out there. Well, to your point, it's going to be rough for any quarterback who's going to come in. I just, the reason why I was bringing up that's why they went out to get Tyrod Taylor is you want some coherence with respect to the offense. And 2021, that was not apparent when Daniel Jones went down. And I'm not saying Daniel Jones is going to miss any time, but you wanted to make sure if you do bring in a quarterback, whether he sees pressure or not, that he's got enough experience and enough confidence that they can at least have the ability to move the chains and operate the offense. Cause that was not apparent at all guys, as you recall in 2021. No, I, I mean, Mike Lennon and, and Jake from yeah. you knew you had no chance going into the game. That's a terrible thing to say, but you really knew you had no chance going into those games. Well, and you don't want that to be the case this season. 100%. Brian, if you want to add something real quick, no, I, I think like you, you've nailed it. Like the, that was the rationale as to why Tyrod was brought in. He understood what Brian Dable would expect from him, obviously having the relationship in Buffalo. And to, I think we should feel a little bit more comfortable if he needs to step in. But again, we've spoken about this time and time again on, on the broadcast. Ultimately, it comes down to how well the offensive line plays next weekend. I was a, I was in London at the game yesterday. I did see Buffalo firsthand, and mm -hmm. uh, Tre Trevor Lawrence yesterday was quite impressive. I know I don't want to get away from the Giants' conversation, but in terms of his, his Passes deep, you know, down the field. They they got at their secondary quite a lot yesterday in that game. If the offensive line could hold up, allowing Daniel or Tyrod to go after the secondary, there could be some productive plays there. So, but ultimately, it comes down to how well this offensive line plays next Sunday night in in Buffalo.
and they could very well have to deal with Von Miller, who missed the early portion of the season due to injury, and he's nearing a return. So that will be a big storyline, I'm sure, that we will address next week. He is Brian O'Leary, co-host of the Irish NFL show. Brian, we appreciate you joining us in the mix here on the Giants Hangout. Lance Meadow, Russ Salzburg, Howard Cross with you. You can catch us each and every week, our weekly roundtable discussion. You go to Giants.com, the mobile app, and your favorite podcast platforms. We'll speak to you next week. Have a good one.